Hey, true crime besties, welcome back to an all new episode of Serialistly. Hey everybody, welcome back to an all new episode of Serialistly. It's me, Annie, and I am here to talk with you about what else? Obviously, true crime. So, a little bit of an announcement. I know I drop bonus episodes throughout the week, and I am going to continue to do that with case-specific bonus episodes, but I started thinking over the last couple of weeks, and I was like, there's so much going on in true crime. There's always case updates, but sometimes there's not enough of an update to make a whole episode or a whole video over on YouTube about it, but I still want to give you guys all of the information for some of these crazy cases and what the updates are week to week. So I was like, why don't I just start a regular series on the podcast every Thursday where we talk about all of the case updates that have happened that week. So today is week one and we are going to start the new series which is called Headline Highlights. And in this series it's going to be a new episode every single Thursday and we're going to go over all of the headlines and all of the highlights in these cases that have happened that week so that If you are following these cases yourself, you can stay apprised of all of the new updates and really just kind of we can follow these cases as they unfold together. So starting with this week, we know that it has been a long week. There has been a lot happening and in today's episode, we're going to talk about Carly Russell, the woman who was fake abducted after seeing the toddler on the side of the road and what's going on there. We're going to talk about Brian Koberger and his alibi. He is the one who was accused of the quadruple murder in Idaho. We also will be talking about Rex Hewerman updates, the alleged Long Island serial killer, and also the insane trial of Taylor Shabusiness, the woman who decapitated her boyfriend in a meth-induced state of like pure psychosis in my opinion. Some of the body cam footage that was released, her interrogation which is like haunting and chilling, we're going to talk about all of that. And how can I forget, there was also a hearing in Congress about UFOs that seems to indicate we in fact are not alone like many of us have suspected. So even though it doesn't really necessarily fall under the true crime umbrella, We're going to talk about that UFO stuff too for a little bit. So with that, let's get right into it. Starting off with Carly Russell, the Hoover Police Department held a police conference this week. My client has given me permission to make the following statement on her behalf. There was no kidnapping on Thursday, July 13th, 2023. My client did not see a baby on the side of the road. My client did not leave the Hoover area she was identified as a missing person. My client did not have any help in this incident, but this was a single act done by herself. My client was not with anyone or any hotel with anyone from the time she was missing. My client apologizes for her actions to this community, the volunteers who were searching for her, to the Hoover Police Department and other agencies as well, as to her friends and family. We ask for your prayers for Carly as she addresses her issues and attempts to move forward. 
It's safe to say that the majority of the public was already well aware that Carly had made this up, but now it's set in stone. The Hoover police chief also mentioned that possible charges are not out of the question by any means, but reiterated that it would be decided on based by the DA. And additionally, Carly's boyfriend has taken back all of his social media postings about how she fought for her life, and he essentially erased any trace of her on his social media. He has allegedly commented that he thinks that this hoax was absolutely disgusting, which I think we all can agree on. And Carly's lawyer has also said in the media that he expects charges to be coming for Carly. So the question now is, will she be formally charged? I guess we will have to wait and see. I mean, I don't want to see anyone harassed, and I don't think that Carly deserves some of what's happening, but there also needs to be accountability in this situation. Absolutely. Whatever her reasoning was for all of this, it's inexcusable at best and plain ignorant and selfish at worst. At the time of this recording, she hasn't been charged, or if she has, it's not yet public, but there were rumors yesterday, and something could possibly be brewing with an arrest and that looming in the future and like very near future. So if anything happens, I definitely will let you guys know over on my Twitter where I'm able to just really fire off rapid fire real time updates for a lot of these cases. So I guess and I guess it's called X now not Twitter. But head over there and follow me. It's at underscore 10 to life. And that's where I'm able to post a lot of like the little video snippets of interrogations and trials too that don't need to be as censored as they do on Instagram and YouTube. So I know some people are indifferent to the whole Twitter thing and now people love threads all of that. But that's where I post most of that. So now moving right along to the next headline with Brian Koberger, the accused quadruple murderer from Idaho. Brian Koberger had us all on pins and needles to see if he would submit his alibi by the deadline this past Monday. Because if he truly has an alibi, I think I speak for all of us when I say, let's fucking hear it. Why haven't you made it public since then? If you really had an alibi, you would think that he would have given that many, many months ago rather than just sitting in jail. But maybe there's a strategy behind it. I don't know. I'm not Brian and I am not a legal expert. But the filing was made on time and made public on Tuesday. And so in the court documents, it says, and I quote, Evidence corroborating Mr. Koberger being at a location other than the King Road address will be disclosed pursuant to discovery and evidentiary rules as well as statutory requirements. It is anticipated this evidence may be offered by way of cross-examination of witnesses produced by the state as well as calling expert witnesses. Kind of a word salad, but what does this all mean? We know that we love to go over to Peter at The Lawyer You Know, so The Lawyer You Know has our back once again, and all of his links will be available in the description and show notes, so you can follow him on all platforms, but he really breaks it all down for us and tells us what's going down with all of these, like, the legal jargon, he puts it in lay terms, and he made this short clip explaining everything that you need to know. A very interesting response by Koberger's team to the state's demand that he produce his alibi and any evidence he has to support that alibi, even after additional time that was granted by the judge to come up with this alibi and produce any corroborating evidence, it seems as though Brian Kober and his team are not going to produce an alibi, at least in the traditional sense, with corroborating evidence or documents or witness testimony that proves he was not at 
the location the crime was committed on the date and time that that crime was committed. But he mentions his Fifth Amendment right and how this limitation in time to produce an alibi does not affect his ability to one day testify on his own behalf and invoke an alibi and say he was not there and prove it by his own testimony. Additionally, they mention that they plan to prove his alibi and denial of these charges through cross-examination and expert testimony. So Brian Koberger continues to deny these allegations, but it seems he does not have any corroborating testimony or evidence that he was not at the location of the crime and the date and time of the crimes. But it also seems that he believes, through witness testimony and cross-examination, as well as his experts, he is going to be able to prove he was not there on the date and time that the crimes were committed on the King's Road house. Now that we've talked Brian Koberger, let's move right into another serial killer, or alleged serial killer, I should say. The accused Long Island serial killer Rex Hewerman was also in the spotlight again this week. On Tuesday, Suffolk County officials had a press release and gave the public an update on what they have been doing so far in the case. There had been a lot of speculation online based on drone footage of backhoes digging up his backyard, possibly a secret room, investigators in hazmat suits, cadaver dogs, you name it, and this really cleared everything up. So in the press conference, police confirmed a few things. One, that the home search is complete. Two, that the home was cluttered and they collected lots of evidence. Three, evidence still needs to be run through the lab, which could take a while. Four, nothing of note was found in the backyard. Five, per the law, his DNA cannot be put into the database unless he is convicted of something. Six, 279 weapons were recovered from the home. What type of weapons? We don't know. And then lastly, the possibility of murders taking place at the home has not been ruled out. Also, his wife has now officially filed for divorce, which, amen, sister, good job. Separate yourself from that guy as far as possible, not only because he is an accused serial murderer, but also because of those Google searches, which were absolutely disgusting and horrific. Get away from this man. So the biggest question everyone has right now is, of course, are there more victims that have not been found? Are there any victims that the police can now confirm he has ties to? For now, the police are doing their thing and investigating, so hopefully they will give us an update if they feel they are able to moving forward. But next up, Rex Hewerman has a court date for August 1st for a pretrial hearing. It's also been said in the media that the police are moving their investigation out of states in some areas because they think there is a possibility of other victims that are outside of the state, so I'm sure we will hear more on that soon as well. Now let's go into what the craziest trial is that I have seen in a long time, especially since Letitia Stauk, and that's the trial for Taylor Shabiznes. The trial started on Monday, and if you have followed this case or listened to my last episode, which will also be linked in the show notes, listen if you haven't because it'll catch you up, but if you are familiar with this case, you know that this case was straight up barbaric and absolutely depraved. So, how's the trial going? 
Well, probably exactly how you might have envisioned it going from the woman who attacked her attorney in court a few months ago, now wearing a stun gun belt so she doesn't assault anyone near her. Taylor cannot control her facial reactions, her expressions, or anything of the sort. She has been shown been shown on camera giggling at inappropriate times, smiling, smirking, and giving the evil eye. At one point, it also seemed like she pointed a finger gun at the judge and shot him during all of this. It has just been an absolute mess. The evidence against her has been closely aligned with everything that has already been made public, but this time we got to hear the 911 call. We got to see the body cam footage from the police, and we got to see the police footage, the interrogations, pictures of the crime scene, and let me just tell you, it is absolutely horrifying. If we didn't think that it could get more barbaric and more sinister, it did once this footage came out. So here is a snippet from what I believe to be the most disgusting and vile things that I've heard in open court in a very, very long time. It truly doesn't get much sicker than this. Here is Taylor describing how she dismembered Shad and how she was, and this is a direct quote, sucking and cutting, which, by the way, the audio quality isn't great, so definitely listen to it twice if you need to, although it is really graphic and disturbing. So I don't know you'd really want to listen to it twice, but here we go. Also, it is over on my Twitter with captions in case it is hard for you to hear. Did you have sex with this body at all? Again, when it's any type of sexual contact? You know, obviously the dildo and stuff, but... Hmm? I grind it on, I put the dick in his ass. I, I you grind it on? Yeah, I listen Did you ever put his penis in your vagina? Or maybe just grind it on? Did you see before that you performed a ball on him? Okay. And was that part of playing with him? Or? That is part of playing with him. That was part of playing with him. Did you? Actually, I was, I was just, I was sobering to tell you I was doing that too. Well. You were, he, he was dead already? He was dead. Was his head still on? No, I took that on. That was the first thing I took off. Okay. I wanted to What about the rest of his body? I didn't even take it. And then, um, the rest of his body? It's, Um, like, I don't even know what it is. It's in a big blue container, you know? It's, it's a big container. It's like a big Tupperware. It's not a Tupperware, but it's a Tupperware. Tupperware container. Like a storage container. Yeah, one of those. And then, um... So that's where body parts are in? Or are they, I thought just they're in a black bag. They are. They're, they're scattered around. Oh, okay. It's a bowl of Tupperware. But when did you start, you know, cutting up his body? Like almost right away, I was sucking and cutting at the same time. Okay. Then what about the rest of his body parts? Did that take all day? Did you? I was getting pissed off at the dismemberment process, actually. Did it take a while? Yeah, because like I was nodding out. I was nodding out. Sorry. Okay, so you're kind of skipping, kind of nodding in and out. Have you taken any other drugs? I did. So on top of all of that, we also got more insight into Taylor's fascination with Jeffrey Dahmer. Taylor's phone included internet searches and photos, specifically searches about Jeffrey Dahmer. And here is a couple of the searches, direct quote searches. Jeffrey Dahmer walking into court all sexy. Another one, Jeffrey Dahmer's butt. 
then also tons of photos of him. She even took a bootleg selfie with Jeffrey Dahmer. And by that, I mean she pulled up a picture of Jeffrey Dahmer on a cell phone, placed that cell phone with his picture on it next to her head on a pillow, and then used another cell phone or camera and took a selfie of the two of them together. I mean, it is absolutely outrageous and completely deranged. And I have that picture over on my Twitter as well. Guys, I couldn't make this stuff up if I tried. This woman is absolutely delusional. So in Wisconsin, trials are typically in two phases, one for the guilt portion and one for the sentencing portion. Well, Yesterday, both sides gave closing arguments, and the jury deliberated for a little over 30 minutes. That's it, before finding her guilty, which, honestly, there's no shock there. So her trial will be continuing today and Friday, and this is where her attorneys will argue that she was absolutely insane at the time of committing the murders and hope to get her sent to a mental hospital instead of a prison, which she belongs in a prison. Truthfully, in my opinion, she deserves the needle, but... I probably shouldn't say that because I know there's a lot of differing opinions out there, but that's just mine. So take it for what it is. Next, we have the UFO congressional hearings. Now, I have not had time to listen to the whole entire thing yet because I've been researching other cases, but I did catch a snippet of the hearings, and I guess we can now officially say we're not alone and we have been visited by extraterrestrials, which I don't know how else to take this statement, but take a listen for yourself. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness like how would that be determined the specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about gotcha um okay so and and you may or may not be able to answer my last question and maybe we get into a skiff at the next hearing that we have but who in the government either what agency sub-agency what contractors who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs, either in a public setting or even in a private setting? And, and you probably can't name names, but what agencies or organizations, contractors, et cetera, do we need to call in to get these questions answered, whether it's about funding, what programs are happening, and what's out there? I can give you a specific cooperative and hostile witness list of specific individuals uh, that were in those. And, and how soon can we get that list? I'm happy to provide that to you after the hearing. Super. Thank you. And I So what do you think? Does that mean aliens have in fact been found, that their bodies are, you know, at Area 51 or some other government hiding space? I don't know. It freaks me out. It kind of makes me nervous. But at the same time, I feel like there's been people who have said aliens have the ability to hurt us. And if they wanted to hurt us, they would have done so by now. What do you make of all this? For some, for some reason, UFOs are just very fascinating to me, like all of this conversation around it. Let me know if it's fascinating to you and I can continue to throw those updates in these weekly roundups. But something about like UFOs, cults, and cons, like con women, con men, all those three things, 
I don't know if it's because of like the psyche of it all or what because I don't know what it is but those things always just fascinate me so those are like the top three things that always get my brain twisted and turning so let me know what you guys think and I can always cover more of those on here too. Next up is a case that actually broke late last night. An Arizona girl who disappeared in the night just days before her 15th birthday four years ago was found safe several states away. She walked into a police station and asked to be removed from the missing children's list. Now, there are still a lot of details in this case coming out and a lot of things that are unclear, but let me read for you this article from the New York Post that gives it a pretty good summary. It reads, Alicia Navarro, now 18, walked into a police department in a tiny Montana town 40 miles from the Canadian border, and she identified herself as the teen who was reported as missing in September 2019. Alicia Navarro has been located, Glendale Public Safety Communications Manager Jose Santiago said during a press conference, saying she is by all accounts safe, she is by all accounts healthy, and she is by all accounts happy. The teenager who was described as autistic but high-functioning in her missing persons report left her Glendale home overnight on September 15, 2019, at just 14 years old. Her parents, who were asleep when she slipped out of the house, found a handwritten note from their daughter stating, I ran away. I will be back. I swear. I'm sorry. They found that note the very next day, but they never heard from her again until this week. She walked into that local police station in Montana alone and told them to remove her from the missing children list. So the department immediately alerted Glendale police, who confirmed her identity and contacted the teen's family to let them know that she had been found safe. She was met by her mother, who never gave up searching for her daughter, and had a very emotional reunion, apparently, according to the police. So apparently Alicia wanted to make sure that her mom knew that she was okay, and she was very apologetic over the pain that her mother went through the last several years, not knowing where she was for, honestly, the past four years or if she was even still alive. Her mom, Jessica Nunez, called the discovery of her daughter four years after her disappearance a complete miracle, and she did this in a video that she posted to Facebook saying, for everyone who has missing loved ones, I want you to use this case as an example. Miracles do exist. Never lose hope and always fight. So there still aren't a lot of details about Alicia's disappearance, but everybody is saying, and I think we can all agree, that the important thing is that she is alive. Many are saying that she ran away and perhaps now, for reasons unknown, Whoever she was with let her go or they broke up possibly if this was a mutual thing. And the Glendale police said that they are investigating how she got to Montana and who she has been staying with over the past four years because many questions remain unanswered. They said that she did in fact run away from home under her own free will and that she has been cooperating with the investigation. She also told the police that nobody has harmed her and she appeared to be healthy. She um, also said that she is, or they also are saying that she remains in Montana and she's able to come and go as she pleases, but she is asking for privacy so that she can move on with her life. 
and the police lieutenant was quoted saying we can only imagine what she's going through mentally emotionally as well as her family and as much as we'd like to say this is the end this is probably only the beginning of where this investigation will go so I will keep you updated again very few details are out on this case but um, I will be following it closely, so I will keep you updated. You can imagine the rumor mill is running wild right now with the different theories. One of the main ones, since she ran away of her own will, is that she possibly met somebody online, maybe had a boyfriend who she ran away to be with, wasn't planning to stay forever, and maybe the reason now that she is coming back is because they broke up or because if he's older or was a possible predator perhaps she aged out now that she is 18 and he no longer wanted her and so she left and had nowhere to go but to return home and that's why she walked into the police station but again that isn't proven that is just a theory out there please do your own research Um, as more details come out though I will let you know because this is one that has finally a happy ending for a missing persons case but still a lot of unanswered questions so like I said this is going to be a regular series every single Thursday it is called headline highlights let me know what you think about it if you are down for this you like this kind of recap please let me know in the way of either a comment on Spotify or let me know in an even better way, leaving a quick review on the podcast. Please give us a rating. Five stars would be great, but I also, of course, want your honest rating, but you know I love the five stars. So please take a quick second, guys, to rate this podcast. Take an extra 15 seconds to leave a review. Let me know in that review, not only if you love the podcast, but what it is you like about it so that I can continue to, you know, pivot as needed and give you guys the content you like. So if you like these headline highlights, let me know in that review so that I can keep doing these every single Thursday. Other than that, a couple other things that we have coming up, some exciting announcements. I am doing a full merch drop in the next few weeks with a ton, ton, ton of new merch. And it's not just little logo stuff with the name, guys. It actually doesn't have any logo stuff. It's like cool true crime merch. So stay tuned for that. If you're not following the Serialistly Facebook page, I will link that in the show notes so you can follow along there. That's when we give you more of like a behind the scenes Q&A style stuff, any new exciting announcements. And what else? What else do I have for you? Um, We're going to be doing some giveaways in the next couple weeks, so make sure that you're subscribed on the YouTube channel and following the podcast so you don't miss that because these giveaways are going to be super epic, especially when I hit 1 million over on YouTube, which we are at 920 right now, so very close. That is going to be a massive, massive giveaway. In the past, we've done giveaways like we've done Pelotons, we've done, you know, $1,000 in cash, we've done AirPods, laptops, TVs, things like that. This giveaway is going to take the cake, so you definitely want to be subscribed and following the podcast too so that you don't miss that. And other than that, um, I will link all of my social media handles in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, all of the things. And thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Headline Highlights. And I will be back with you guys on Monday for a brand new case that I will be breaking down for you in full. It is a crazy one, and it kind of goes in line with what I just talked about with con men. It's a wild one. So that will drop Monday. And then, of course, you know I'm going to have some bonus episodes of cases for you throughout the week. And then I will see you again next next Thursday for Headline Highlights. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this episode, another episode of Seriously. It's me, Annie, your true crime bestie, signing off. Have a great weekend, and I will talk with you again very, very soon. All right.